0: Welcome to Willow Park Church and we're delighted that you have joined us online, whether you're joining us online or on Facebook Live, wherever you may be out there, we are glad that you're with us. And we're following a series called Hidden, where we're exploring what it is to dive deeper into faith and that hidden faith of how Christ wants to shape our hearts, our lives, and that intimacy with God grows and develops. I mean, that's what it's really about, isn't it? The intimacy with Christ that sustains us through these difficult days of pandemic. Even now, as children go back to school and we're seeing numbers rising, and we're hearing about uh, different countries going back into partial lockdowns and groups of six again, Well, we want to equip you through our messages and through our communication about how to go deeper. And this weekend, we are really going to talk about just why God sends hardships into our lives. We're going to talk about what is the purpose of difficult times, but what does God want to do with us in those difficult times? We're also going to take communion before you hear from uh, the message and we're going to spend some time. So please do go and get the elements after the worship. We will be taking communion and celebrating all that Christ has done for us through the work of the cross. So welcome to Willow Park Church today.
1: Welcome, welcome everybody to uh, Willow Park Church Wherever you are, we're all in one place now, that dwelling place with the Lord. I was uh, reading Psalm 84 earlier, and it's a beautiful psalm that sort of sets up uh, this worship set. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. And that is sometimes translated as the valley of weeping. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty.
2: my heart and flesh cry out for you the living god your spirit's water to my soul i've tasted and i've seen come once again to me i will draw near to you Elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. Thousands elsewhere. Oh, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. Thousands elsewhere. Than
1: thousands elsewhere. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for these moments where we can press into you, into your presence. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere, and we can be with you every single minute of every single day. We are with you. Make your presence known to us as we worship, as we are together in this manner, in this way, in this place, this dwelling place, this state of mind, this state of being. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you.
3: me, and all my days, I've been held in your
4: hands,
3: from the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness.
1: and see where you've been with us through the great times the not so great times how faithful you are your mercies are in you every morning you inspire us you give us life and you maintain our lives with your love and your blessings and your grace that's why we praise you only you are worthy of our praise O faithful one
2: for ever will be great is I Cause uh-huh. for tomorrow. Blessings Almighty.
1: thank you for this time. Thank you for this church, your church throughout the world that spreads the good news of a great, all-powerful, loving, and faithful God, our Father and our friend. To you we commit the rest of this service, indeed the rest of this day, indeed the rest of our lives. You are holy. We love you. Jesus name we pray amen 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 bless you everybody bless you enjoy the rest of the service
0: so good to come out of our time of worship and now to take a moment to reflect and to remember before I do this can I remind you that the last Monday of September we will be having our willow one prayer time praying for our nation Praying for our province, praying for our city, praying for our church. We want to welcome you to that, whether that's going to be online or you can book in person and connect with us and come and sit in the sanctuary with lots of space and be able to spend that time of intimacy and closeness to Christ. The communion for me... In my own spiritual walk is is that moment when I do feel exactly that the closeness and the intimacy of Christ at work at that moment where the visible connects with the invisible where we realize all that Christ did for us so let's pray and give thanks for his sacrifice on the cross Lord Jesus we remember that you chose to embrace the journey of the cross so that we can be united to you. We can be forgiven and freed. We can experience a transformation within our life. And so we bless this bread and we remember that your body was broken for us, that you have freed us, even as the angel spoke to Joseph That one will be born who will deliver his people from their sins. And we know that when we're delivered from our sins, we are delivered from death and we are delivered from the power of Satan. Thank you for your body. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. Eat and remember what he did for you upon the cross. In the same manner, the Lord took the wine and poured it out, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world. Drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for the salvation we receive connection we have and the joy that fills our lives. And we are grateful for this time. Amen whether you're logged on to our south campus or whether you're logged on to Rutland 33 we now pray that as you hear the different messages that God will bless you inspire you and take you farther in the next step in your journey please stay in touch contact us let us know what God is doing in your life we'd love to hear from you now here is the willow news and then your message
5: Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We are so pleased to let you know that we are starting up our midweek youth groups. Glow, for grades 9 to 12, happens Wednesday night starting September 30th. Juice, For grades 6 to 8, happens on Thursday night, starting October 1st. This year, youth will need to register before they attend each week. Check out the youth website at cahoots.ca for more info. Join us for Willow One Prayer on Monday, September 28th at 7 p.m. We will be meeting in person at Highway 33 and meeting online. Learn more and register to attend in person at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. We are once again raising funds for Child of Mine, which supports two children's homes in northern India. A group of runners and walkers will be doing a virtual event October 17th, and this year, the funds raised will go towards post-secondary education for graduates of the homes. Learn more on the Child of Mine website at childofmine.ca events. We are now offering a free monthly subscription box for all of our Willow Park kids to enjoy. Inside the box, you will find crafts, activities, family challenges, and more that will make Kids Church Online just a little more fun and interactive. What's even better is we will deliver the box right to your door once a month. Sign up today at willowparkchurch.com kidsbox. Kids Club is starting up again on Tuesday nights beginning October 6th and spaces are filling up fast. This program is for kids in grades kindergarten to grade five. Learn more and register online at willowparkchurch.com clubs. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
6: the strange part of being in church right now, because we're also uh, going live, and so we want to say hello to everybody out there as well. So we good? Drew, thumbs up? Okay. Drew gives me the official thumbs up. We can go. Good morning, everybody. It's great to uh, have you join with us online, and we have a room full, or as full as we can get it, uh, at Willow Park Church South this morning, so it's kind of the norm now that we make sure that everybody can hear us, so can we just prove that we do have people in the room? Thank you. Uh, wow, that was great. As I say each week, there's nothing better than prompted round of applause. Uh, it's the way the Mennonites do it. We like it. It's, it's good. So, today it's, uh, it's a special day. We have, uh, we have an overflow room going, which the last couple of weeks we've had a bit of an overflow because more people coming back to church. Our 9 a.m. is full as well. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the best way to do this. This week, if you are sat in the overflow, thank you for doing that. I know you weren't expecting it. Um, and we were like, who wouldn't mind? Who wouldn't mind doing it this week? So we've uh, we, we asked people who are just well and truly part of the South family so that people who are new here could come into the main room. But going on from now, likely what we're going to be doing is first come, first serve. And so I'd encourage you to, uh, if you want to be in this room, then get online at midday on Sunday and you can register. We didn't do it this way this week. But moving forward, likely that is what's going to happen, and we're going to be looking to open up the coffee bar area as an overflow to allow as many people into church as possible. So this is a good problem to have. Thank you for people in the overflow. It's actually in the kids' classroom. The Nordines are in there. The Hanenberg's are in there. The Lows are in there. My kids are in there. It's just like, let's just... (laughs) So thank you for your patience with that. Today's an exciting day. I'm going to invite Maya to come up. Uh Maya Gay, she is getting baptized later, and she's going to share her testimony. Let's give Maya a big round of applause. And uh, she's going to share her testimony. So I'm going to get out of your way and let you do that.
4: Thank you so much.
7: Hello. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much, again, for letting me do this. Um, my name is Maya Gay, and I've been part of the Willow Park Church family since... Um, the very beginning, I think, of my life, as far back as I can remember. And um, my relationship with God has always been very present in my life, and my family has always held Christianity and faith super close to their hearts. And because of that, I've had a very... um, nice relationship learning about Christ since the very beginning in kids church and then went to christian school for a bit and all the way up but in that time i found that i became quite complacent with my with my relationship with god and through that i kind of drifted along to every sunday come to church worship and feel so elated and happy after but then through the rest of the week kind of go through the motions again so after I went to university that was kind of when my relationship with Christ especially started drifting away and in I think quite regular fashion of people going off and I went to school on the island and um, I just found myself drifting and my path um, losing direction and losing any sort of um, guidance and and path for myself. So, through that time, though, I think that was very developmental for me and important to my current relationship with God because it made me realize how much I missed that connection and how much my life felt um, kind of directionless. So, going forward within this past probably year and a half, I've committed more to really um, spending time with the Lord and reading my Bible and just committing myself to relearning and following the Lord with a more personal relationship instead of um, kind of just, again, complacently, Going through the motions and having a, a faith that was not necessarily my own, but more um, guided by family and even just what I expected to be um, for myself. What yeah, what God's relationship was for me. So with that, I realized I just needed to um, to recommit and and follow the Lord with my own relationship and that was really really um powerful powerful for me and the way that I I just felt so uplifted and had so much more purpose um and a, a purpose driven life um with that I have a little I have a little bible verse that earlier this year when I was reading my bible and I was feeling especially kind of lost I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I was just graduating and it was just kind of the beginning of COVID and and such and I read this verse and it really spoke to me so it's Micah 6 8 and it says all that the Lord requires of you is to do what is right love mercy and walk humbly with the Lord and it's really simple, but it really spoke to me. And through that, I've just found such um, such purpose and such desire to learn more and have a more personal relationship with the Lord going forward. And I'm just so incredibly blessed feeling to have such an amazing family and church family to s- like um, just fall back on and I rely so much on everyone here, so I really appreciate it, and I'm super excited to get baptized today, so thank you so much, and I'm excited to get dunked. <laughs> nice
6: work. Well done. Wow, that's so cool. Maya, you did so well. I can see a future for you in, uh, in the whole speaking area. That'd be great, so we get to do a nice, intimate kind of Little group baptism at the beach. So we're going to scoot off pretty quick afterwards. And uh, and I've I've had the joy of baptising Brad and Colleen's three children now. So uh, that's a real joy and an honour. And so uh, it's wonderful. Okay, let's uh, let's turn to uh, the uh, study that we're doing today. Before we get there, I just want to let you know about something new that's starting. Uh, which uh, I'm really delighted about. My mum and dad, who are sat at the back over there, Barry and Mo. many of you know them. My dad was, uh, was a superintendent in the police for over 30 years and then retired and became a pastor in, in church. And so he's had this kind of dual, uh, I don't want to say career, because I don't think of ministry as career, because we're all in ministry. But my dad has been praying and thinking through how best he can serve the South and mum alongside. And, and uh, so he's going to start a men's Bible study that happens in the week. And so guys, if you're interested in meeting, I I don't think there's an age, is there an age kind of bracket there, dad? No. Um, So if you're able to meet in the day or in the morning, and you're interested in getting together and having a Bible study with the guys, then my dad is the person you want to go and see, and he'll be happy to chat with you. And they're trying to figure out what the time and the day and all that, what that best looks like. So... Have I got everything right, Dad? I got the thumbs up. That's good. Okay, so we're we're in the second week of a study that really is going to take us pretty much till Christmas. and, And our normal routine as a church, and we have lots of gatherings that are happening right now, so if this is your first time, welcome to Willow Park Church family and the south location in the mission and we have a number of different locations around the city. But as a whole church, normally what we do is we work through a passage of scripture. I love expository preaching because you can't get away with anything. You can't just choose the bits that you want to preach from and avoid the difficult things. And so after over, almost, actually this is, I'm going into my 10th in January. It'll be 10 years here. We've made a commitment. Thank you. Um, made it. Woohoo! But we made a commitment to just preach what the Bible says. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. And that's okay because a God who just makes you feel comfortable all the time uh, is no God at all. Our God highlights things in our lives that are sometimes difficult to hear. And then through Jesus, we always have an answer. So that's good. So that's our normal mode of preaching, which is going through a book or a passage. So we've just spent a lot of time in Psalm 23, which I loved. And what we're doing now, though, is a bit more topical. We're doing a topical series pretty much until Christmas. And, uh, and the, so if you're just joining us now, it's a good time to join us. We're only the second week in, and, uh, and it's going to be really, really uh, life-changing. I'm believing that because it's really been a revelation to me, as I've studied over the last few months, knowing that this series is coming. So before we get into the series in its, uh, in its entirety over the next few weeks, it's important that I lay a little bit of a foundation. So this week, it's going to be a little bit of a, a lecture mode. And what I mean by that is, those of you who come to the South many years, you know that I love to like, just preach it up, and it's great, it's inspirational, and, and I love that. This is a little more foundational, a little more lecture-like Uh, I'm not saying I won't get excited because you know me well. That sort of stuff gets me excited. But we're going to look at some science. We're going to look at what the Bible and the theology says. We're going to look at this whole idea of change. What does it actually mean to be transformed? Because Christianity, Jesus a uh, belief in Jesus, following Jesus, is all about transformation. When you come to know Jesus and you believe uh, in what He did on the cross, and he 's our Lord, and we confess with our mouths and we ask for forgiveness, that everything then is an instant transformation in becoming a Christian. it's called conversion, and then it's kind of the fun starts. It's that's the process, the start of continual transformation, or the word that is also used, sanctification, as we become more like him. Now, that's what the Bible speaks about when we talk about change. But really, the idea of transformation and change is common across humanity, regardless of your sex or your socioeconomic status or where you are in the world. We have this feeling of something better. That we look at where we are now, and we have an idea of something in the future. And historically, the Greeks used to refer that to the good life, is this idea of what the good life might look like for you and I. And then we want to get there. And we know that in order to get to this place, there has to be some change, or as the New Testament writers call it, transformation. There's a gap. There's a gap between where we're at now and where we want to be. And we recognize that in that gap there are thoughts, there's habits, there's inclinations, um, there's desires that we know are not good for us. We know that they should change. And that's just on our own personal level. Maybe we, we're inclined to worry, we react badly, we respond badly. We have habitual, as the, as the Bible would say, habitual sin that we're just kind of connected into all the time. We have dysfunctional patterns and that is really a picture of our own personal starting point. Some people, when they become a Christian, have a radical change. Old habits go, old addictions go, old things just disappear, and and that's wonderful. They have other stuff to work on, other stuff that the Holy Spirit changes. But for many of us, and we've heard the testimony from Maya this morning that she grew up in a Christian family, and it's, it's you talk to my wife, like she was. It's just like it's almost like she just was born a christian now before you'll freak out i'm not saying that is possible of course it's not there's always a point of decision and a point where the lord calls and woos and draws us to him but it's like this environment of being in a christian household is an incredibly precious gift and it might not be that when you actually come to the place like Maya described where you fully commit to jesus is radical change you know, the, the ch- my chains fell off as the hymns, you know, and, and, and it doesn't feel that way. It's a longer transformational change. But we can get stuck. We get stuck. We sense there's a better way. If we look at our culture, we're stuck. Now, what we do, and I talked about this last week, we get uh, what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery, and we think that we're the only ones experiencing this feeling of, of stuck, and we're the only ones experiencing what the culture is experiencing right now, whereas it's actually a pattern. Historically, our culture, our Western culture, is stuck. There's incredible dysfunction, and we know that there's a better way. It's just ingrained in us. If you're a Jesus follower this morning, if you're listening online and you, you would call yourself spiritual or agnostic or atheist, the fact that you know there's something better shows that built into us, we're straining towards something that is past that gap. C.S. Lewis put it beautifully like this. He said, the scent of a flower we have not found. That's what it feels like, this better the echo of a tune we have not heard. News from a country we have never yet visited. This sense of difference. And we get stuck. The message of Jesus when he, when he walked this earth was one of a new kingdom. And it's like the city that C.S. Lewis is referring to. This kingdom of God. And we want this kingdom. Because everything this kingdom represents is powerful to us and, and better for us. But how do we get there? Historically, and certainly in the last few hundred years, the church's answer for transformation and change is do better, try harder, and read this. Off you go. Any questions? No? Good. See you later. And and that really has been... You know, I'm being a little flippant, but the the answer of read this has been our answer for transformation, and yet when you look at the scriptures, the scriptures have a completely different answer as to what transformation looks like. And so it's important before we get into our series of being hidden in Christ that we understand some of the psychology and theology of change and transformation. That's what we're going to look at today. So what does the kingdom look like that we live in today? Um... Normally I quote out of the ESV that I think is an excellent translation and there's some Bibles that are more paraphrased, almost like a message of the Bible. And Eugene Peterson wrote the message and he was an incredible scholar. And in Galatians chapter 5, he describes, Paul describes what the kingdom that we're in looks like. So I'm going to read it to you and see whether this just resonates with where you are at personally perhaps And certainly where our world is at right now. Galatians 5 verse 19 uh, to 21 in the message. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. So now Eugene Peterson talks about what this present kingdom looks like. Not the kingdom of God, this present kingdom. The place where we start our transformation. It's repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Welcome to church, everybody. Um, Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. That's our starting point. That's the kingdom of this world. And then he moves on, and in, in ESV, this is a beautiful translation, Galatians 5 verse 22, it's almost like, but you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? You want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So Paul is presenting this absolute opposite, the kingdom of earth, as we've just read out of the message, and then the kingdom of heaven. And ingrained in every one of us, agnostic, atheist, skeptic, Christian, whatever it might be, is this desire for this kingdom. But our culture wants this kingdom without the king, as Mark Sayers would say at the author. That they don't want King Jesus, but will take everything that Jesus brings. The love, the joy, the peace, and patience. But what's interesting is Paul does not write this as a list of commands. You go be more patient. Let's see how that works out for you. Go be more loving. Which really is the message of the world. We should be more loving. Okay, how, how, please? We should have more peace. How? How does that transformation actually happen? Well, just go be better. Okay, that's going to last up until, well, I'll probably get out of bed. That, that's as far as our self will and discipline comes. So, how do we actually change? How do we get from this kingdom to the next? How does this sanctification actually happen? What does the Bible say? And then you're actually going to see that neuroscience actually backs up what the Bible says. The Bible came first, then neuroscience, even in the last hundred years, is on catch up. And I want to show you that because. For me, when I started studying how my brain actually works when it comes to the psychology of change, it helped me enormously understand the power of my habits and my thoughts, my rituals, my rhythms of life. And then it resonates exactly with what the Bible says. See, Jesus showed us the kingdom. He said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is how you should live. And in and through me, this is how you can live now, come follow me, and I will make you like this. That's what Jesus said. So we know there's a gap, and the Bible makes it really personal. It's about you and me. It's not about them changing. It's not about, well, if the politics would be different, or if, the, if this um, outcome would be different, or if this person was different. No, let's make it really personal. How about you and me? How about you and your parenting, you and your relationships, you and your outlook, Um, And mine too. What can I do to see transformation happen in my life? Because what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at how we become more Christ-like. Last week, I talked about how we're apprentices of Jesus or disciples of Jesus. How does that transformation happen? So this message really is going to be laying the foundation psychology-wise and and biblically so that we can launch off this into the next few weeks. Because if you don't understand this part... All the next few weeks will become is a stick to beat yourself up with because you'll fail if you try and do it in your own power. Whereas understanding some of the stuff that I'm going to teach you in the next few minutes will actually really help you and equip you to actually see change and transformation in your life. Billion-dollar industries are dedicated to this idea of transformation. How do you change? You go on the Internet... Um, it said that if you, if you really, really want to make money on the internet, then you need to either teach people how to get richer or teach people how to get abs. <laughs> Top 10 ways to get abs, you know, losing that extra, whatever. And, and we all search it and we lap it up. We love all this information. We think it's great. But the problem with transformation is I really like cake and I really like chips and I like fish and chips, and I like chocolate, and I like all the things that I know I shouldn't eat. I like going and opening up my fridge and my pantry door. All those things that we know that we shouldn't do, I like to do. I have all the information. I have all the knowledge. I understand how carbs and proteins and glucose and everything else works. I get that. I've read about it. I know keto, I know paleo, I know I know it all. I know all the knowledge. I've watched the videos. I've seen the guy the size of a house come to be a guy that looks like he's a cover model. I understand it. I've got all the knowledge I need. But I still like cake. And I like it too much. So even though I've got all the knowledge, that amount of knowledge doesn't actually equal transformation. Because if knowledge equals transformation, trust me, I'd be writing a blog about how to get abs and everything else, but I like chips too much. So the challenge is not more knowledge. The challenge is how do we actually get that knowledge to change us? Because there's people in this room who have been Christians longer than I've been alive, 25 years, um, and still are struggling. So knowledge does not equal change. So what does equal change in James chapter one I really like James James is one of these guys that I think if you invited to the party you'd be warning everybody before he came look look he's just a bit he's very direct and you just need to give him just you'll understand when you meet him do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says like come on He's just blunt. I like how blunt James is. I probably wouldn't like it if he was blunt to me, but I like reading how blunt he is. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, which may not be a bad thing for some of us. But for James, he's like, look, you've got the knowledge listening to the word but don't con yourself. Don't deceive yourself. You've got to go and do it. You've actually got to do it. So there we have a little bit of an echo of what neuroscience is telling us is truth right there. Go and do what it says. Be doers of the word. So do you remember last week when I said that Jesus, who was the rabbi of rabbis, and if you didn't listen to this message, you go online and listen to it because it's really encouraging. He says, come follow me. Because in ancient Israel, what the way it worked was, is the young Hebrew boys would go through a, a series of cuts in terms of uh, of like the, the number of them, got smaller and smaller and smaller. So the smartest of the smart were chosen by rabbis, and they would go and literally live alongside the rabbi to the point where they would become like the rabbi, speak like the rabbi, act like the rabbi, do what the rabbi did. And then Jesus comes, and he says, come follow me as your rabbi. Rabbi, become like me, do what I do, and, 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 and come live alongside of me. Be a doer, apprentice with me. And there's a reason why the transformation is tied up with actually doing what Jesus did. Because it's about doing the work. It's about doing the Word. It's about abiding with Him. It's about coming alongside Him and and listening to Him. And that aligns exactly with the science uh, of of neuroscience and especially neuroplasticity, which is the idea that your thoughts and your actions actually create uh, changes in your brain biologically. So Donald Hebb, for example, said neurons that fire together, wire together. So when you think of something habitually, when you do something regularly, you are actually biologically transforming your brain. You're physically changing your brain. So when you think something regularly and do something regularly, so think about apprenticing with Jesus. When you think and do something regularly, you are literally wiring your brain differently to act And respond differently, to think differently, to do differently, and it's reinforced through repetition. You could call it habit. So these habits are formed biologically in our brains as we continue. And these habits and this muscle memory is a good thing. So those of you who drove here, I know the Delcourts didn't, they sped walk for Jesus, it was awesome. But if you drove here, you didn't get into your car and go, right. First thing I need to do is I need to make sure it's in park. Then I need to turn, put my foot on the brake, and now I need to turn the key. You just jumped in your car, did it all, turned on the key, and some of you drove here and don't remember anything of the journey. And that's worrying, right? How many of you have done that? You don't need to put your hand up, but you kind of go, did I go through a red light there? Because I don't actually remember what color that light was. See, that's muscle memory. It means that over the years, you have habitually got into that car and you have wired your brain to automatically do something. You don't even have to think about it anymore. And that's a good thing because you're not sat there going, I need to remember to blink. I must blink. I must blink. I must blink. I need to remember to breathe. I must breathe. I need to remember to get my heart to beat. This would be worrying if that's the way your brain is wired to do those things habitually. Neuroplasticity. That's the good thing bad thing is is neuroplasticity this idea of of being able to wire your own brain has a dark side see the routine sin and habits that we all struggle with are wired into our brains they are literally physically scientists tells us now like wired in such a way where you naturally react And respond in ways because this is how you've thought and acted over the years. And we know that experientially. Think of it this way. Imagine the jungle is your brain. And you've got billions of synapses all through your brain. And when you make a thought, it's like a machete. And this is not my analogy. This is an analogy from science. It's like you've hacked a bit away from the jungle. You think the same thing again, hack. Think the same thing again, hack. Do the same thing again, hack and hack. And over time, you're actually building a biological pathway through your brain that you will naturally fire at certain points. The challenge is, is over time, they can be some so established and so difficult to break that you get stuck. And so there may be people in this room or in my hearing who are habitually stuck and addicted to certain sins. And no amount of self-discipline can get you out of that. In fact, when you work really, really hard at something, and then you fail, guilt and shame come up, and you're more likely to do the thing that you're actually trying to resist in the first place. And it can look different for every one of us. But we're hardwired. And this sequence of events is actually called, in science, chunking, that made me really happy. When I read that, it's like, a, first of all, a word I can say in science. And secondly, they must have been, I, maybe they drunk too much coffee or something that day when they came up with this one. But this sequence of events that turns an action into a habit is called chunking. You are hardwired to think, act, and be a certain way. Even if it's a dangerous place. So let me give you an example. There was a study made four years ago. Um... Roughly in 2016, 100,000 cell phone users were surveyed and and I'm guessing some sort of app was put on their phone to analyze their phone use. And what they found, this is in North America, what they found is the average phone user touched the screen of their phone 2,617 times a day. That's average. That's not high use. That was just average. An average of 145 minutes every day spent looking at the screen of the phone. See, this is where the synapses now are hardwired to actually respond to the phone, add to the dopamine of getting that extra follower or that ding or that response, and now you've got young people and millennials and all across society completely addicted and hardwired to their phone. And then we come along as good parents to say, you should be on your phone less. Well, that's helpful. Well, it's true, but is that going to result in transformative behavior? Scientists would say No. Because habits, as John Altberg, a Christian writer, says, eat willpower for breakfast. What you've actually got to do is you've got to create new pathways. And remember what Jesus said come, follow me. In other words, come, let's create a new life together, create new pathways. You have to create new, more powerful pathways. So the Christian neuroscientist Caroline Leaf, I highly recommend you read her book called Switch On Your Brain. She's, uh, she's a brilliant writer, a lovely Christian lady. And a genius neuroscientist completely believes that the Bible has paved the way in neuroscience. And so she's she's showing how neuroscience is just catching up. Here's one of the things that she said in this book. We are making the brain fire in different patterns and combinations. And whenever we make the brain fire differently, we change the brain. Neuroplasticity is God's design for renewing the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so transformation comes by creating new pathways. So you could literally say, do not be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the re-chunking of your mind. That made me very happy when I realized that it was okay for me to put that. The realignment of your thinking. So how does that happen? That's the how. Now, how does that help you? If you're anything like me, When I think about what I do on a daily basis uh, in my rituals and routines, I think to myself, okay, am I building a habit that is actually going to result in a pathway that is healthy and going to cause me to get closer to Jesus? Or is this habit drawing me away from Jesus? Am I building a new pathway to help me become more like Jesus, my rabbi? Or am I reinforcing an old pathway that is actually drawing me away from Jesus? As Caroline Leaf said, doing your own brain surgery or neuroplastic intervention of toxic thinking and renewing your mind is based on regular exercising of your brain. Change takes place over time through continual persistence. Intervention of the mind changes the brain physically, chemically, structurally, and functionally. Come follow me. If you want to become more like Jesus, if you want to actually step into the new kingdom, if you want to have a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, if that is your desire, if you want to close the gap, so you want to move from the old kingdom into the new kingdom, then the answer is is to think differently and to do differently, to actually have a transformation happen by the Holy Spirit in your life who has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You're able to do this. You have the the ability as a Christian to see your life radically transformed, old habits done away with, new habits formed, renewal, transformation happen. How do you do it? You don't do it by just reading the Bible more. You've got to read the Bible, as James said, and go do what Jesus did. Build some new pathways. Build some new pathways. And it takes a long time, and it's hard work, and it slowly gets easier. Remember last week I talked about marathon running? I said, look, let's go run a marathon. Some of you be like, yes, not many of you. Yes, one person I can see would be, John would be away. And, uh, and like, yeah, no problem. I can run a marathon now. Some of you don't like the thought of walking from here to your car. It's like, well, could you come and pick me up? It's a long way. How does a marathon start? With one step. And then another one and then another one, and then another one. So not only are you training your body, you are training your mind to ultimately become a marathon runner. And so when Jesus says, come follow me, it starts with one step. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to look at is the different steps that we need to take from the life of Jesus as to how we become like him, all based on this foundation that we are trying to see your brain renewed. True transformation, lifelong transformation. So then as parents, we can say to our children, come follow me as I follow him, rather than just don't do this, do this, don't do that, don't look at that. That has a place, but true transformation happens as they do differently, think differently, focus on different things. So as I pull this together really practically, what is one of the first steps that we need to take If we want to say, right, what's that first marathon step? We need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes. Look at this scripture, Colossians 2 verse 8. See to it, this is Paul saying, that no one takes you captive. Word captive means kidnapped or abducted. Through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world, rather than on Christ. So you've got new kingdom, Jesus saying, come, be like me, follow me, do as I do. And then you've got old kingdom, old philosophy saying, no, 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 you come follow me. Do what I do. Think what I think. Wear what I wear. Be an influencer like I'm an influencer. Come look at my Instagram account. Come and look at my Snapchat. Come and look at my life. Come and look at how an amazing rabbi I am. Do what I do, and you will become just like me. So every one of us is a disciple to something or someone. question is, is it old kingdom? Deceptive and hollow? Or is it new kingdom? Love, joy, peace, patience. Going the extra mile, loving our enemies, living life in the way that we know should resonate with us as human beings. Which kingdom is it? Which do you follow? Which one do you chase after? Because to sit there and go, no, you know what, I'm my own person. No, you're not. Sorry. You're just not. You're following something or someone. Question is who, not if. Question is what, not if. Are you following hollow, deceptive philosophies, or are you following the creator of creators, the true good life, the one in whom you've been designed to follow? See to it. So, There's a really helpful book, I recommended this to you a few years ago, by James K. Smith called You Are What You Love. It's a very, very uh, interesting, uh, somewhat heavy read in parts, but really interesting. And he talks about how we all have liturgies. Now, before we get awfully uptight about this word, especially in more evangelical, Christian, born-again circles, there are words that I'm going to use over the next few weeks that might make some of you go, Ooh, that sounds dodgy. That is a pathway you've created in your brain because there's nothing wrong with the word itself. Words like contemplative. Ooh, that sounds really dodgy because I've heard something about hugging trees and pantheism and contemplative thinking, so that must be bad. No, contemplative literally means you just think. Think about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. And so liturgy is one of those words. Because we think, oh, liturgy must mean something really like Anglican or old fashioned or something. Actually, liturgies are just rituals, rhythms, and routines. What is it, the liturgy of your life? What do you do on a habitual basis? Maybe we should open our eyes and see what we do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis that actually is it good for you? Is it actually drawing you away into philosophies that are hollow? Are your rituals, habits, routines, the apps that you look at, the websites you go on, the things that you do on a daily basis, the people you connect with, the things that you read, the things that you watch, your routines that you might go, well, there's no harm in that, but are they drawing you to a true good life or away from a true good life? And so James Smith suggests that you do an audit, that you actually just become cognizant of the things that you do on a regular basis and ask whether or not it's actually bringing you good kingdom things into your life or drawing you away. Because there are many rabbis in the world that will draw you away. So see to it that nobody draws you away or takes you captive. And parents, we need to be so careful with the liturgies that we allow in our children's lives, and there are times we are being given stewardship over our children to actually say, no, this liturgy, if you want them to go, use the word liturgy, this liturgy, this routine, this ritual, this rhythm, this thing you've got going on a regular basis is actually not, it's not giving you good things, it's not bringing good into your life. Well, there's no harm in it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing. We need to be very cognizant as families. What are our rituals, our liturgies as families? So secondly, and I'm going to be looking at this in detail next week, so I don't want to um, spend too long on it. We need to learn to be in two places at once. Um, This comes from a a book by a gentleman called Frank Laubach, and he, he said... Um, he said this. I'm going to come back to that scripture in a second. We can keep two things in mind at once. Frank Laubach was a missionary from the 1930s, a brilliant uh, brilliant man who spent and dedicated his life in literary circles as a, as a real genius in education. And, and he dedicated himself to think about Jesus as much as possible, to practice the presence, as Brother Lawrence would say, of God on a daily basis. He wants to make it his life ambition to fulfill this scripture, to abide in Jesus, to have his mind dwell in Jesus, to literally keep two things in mind at once, to be in two places at once, so I can be doing my day-to-day work while thinking and considering and thanking Jesus for everything and everyone that he is, that I can be cognizant of his presence, This is what Frank Laubach said. Practicing the presence of God is not on trial. Countless saints have already proved it. Indeed, the spiritual giants of all ages have known it. The results of this effort begin to show clearly in a month. They grow rich after six months and glorious after ten years. This is the secret of the great saints of all ages. Pray without ceasing, said Paul. In everything make your wants known unto God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. To daily dedicate our thinking and abiding in Jesus is transformative when it comes to our minds. So how we do that is what we're going to look at next week. We need to fill our lives with new grace-filled habits, new pathways, new ways. Not just trying hard, but actually doing things differently. Another way of putting it is we need to learn to rearrange our rituals. So we've done an audit, we've recognized what we do on a regular basis, and then the difficult thing becomes, are we willing to let go and rearrange what we do on a regular basis in order to live more like Jesus? To live more like Jesus, we need to actually look at what he did. So his teaching is there, it's is be this, do this, love your enemies, go the extra mile, live a life of love and hope and faith. These are his teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. You can find them all over the place. And then entwined in all these teachings, you can actually see what Jesus' liturgies were, what his day-to-day habits were, what were his rituals, his routines, his rhythms. What did he do on a practical basis? Imagining in your own mind, if you were there with him, what would you be watching him do? what would you be hearing him say? What habits did he have? What synapses were firing? What pathways did he have in his mind as fully man and fully God that we can say, yeah, I'm going to follow you in that? So things like prayer, Bible reading, meditating on scripture, silence and solitude. He would often withdraw by himself to be by himself and his father. He would have a Sabbath. This is one thing that we as a family have been doing over the last month or so, is having an actual Sabbath, which is a day off where you worship and rest. It's a good thing. And then on a Sabbath, you'll also find in the Scriptures, Jesus doing a lot of schlaffing. Do you know what a schlaff is? A nap. I love that the Son of God in the Scriptures says, yeah, you know what, we need to include naps because naps are godly. I love that. And in Hebrew, it's actually shlaf. So silence and solitude and rest, living simply and generously. These were all the habits of Jesus that you and I can start tomorrow. Small steps. And that's what we're going to study over the next few weeks. Because when Jesus died... He gave us the ability. Our sin was placed upon him and imputed on him and died with him. His life was imputed. His righteousness was given to us so we could live like him. But it means that we need to rearrange our rituals. And that starts with looking at what our rhythms and rituals are, looking at what Jesus' is, were, comparing them and saying, okay, what are the things that we can start tomorrow to align ourselves with him? Community is incredibly important. Which is why we've worked hard to try and get this to happen. Community is so powerful and so significant. Jesus had a lot of community. Get out of your mind that Jesus walked around an inch off the floor with a somber look on his face all the time. Jesus literally was the life and soul of a party. How do I know that? It's because he always got invited to them. You don't invite somebody to a party if they're just going to bring gloom all the time. He had a perfect sense of humor because he was perfectly God... And I can just imagine him sitting and laughing hard, making fun of the Apostle Peter, because, you know, a lot to make fun of. And, you know, just enjoying people's community and company. And and we need that, which is why church is so powerful and important. These are all practices that we can start following Christ in. So to finish, what do I suggest you do this week? And I would encourage you to do these two questions I'm going to show you as individuals, and also as couples and family. And be serious about it. Because you have to have a strong look at your life in order for you to know what to confess and ask for forgiveness for, so you know what to realign and rearrange, and so you can ask the Holy Spirit, you can ask Jesus to help you change. And you can start forming new pathways. So two questions. And, and do this as a family. Do it. Uh, I really encourage you because it's very, very interesting to do it. And this comes from uh, James Smith, the, the author that I referred to before. He suggests doing a liturgical audit. His words, not mine. And, and really it surrounds these two questions. First of all, so as a family and as individuals, look at your daily, weekly, monthly, and annual routines. I don't know why there's a question mark there because that's just a statement, not a question mark have a look at them. Write down what is it that we and I do regularly and be be really honest with yourself. So you wake up in the morning and you're lying in bed. Is this your routine? Because some of you know exactly what I'm doing right now. You're groping around. Oh, found it. I hope I remembered to put it on dim last night. Otherwise, everybody in the room is going to get a shock. And you switch your phone on and you check out your social media. Is that A rhythm, routine, and ritual that you have every day. Write it down. What time do you get up in the morning? Write it down. What do you do when you get up in the morning? Write it down. Go through your day and look at your routine and rituals. Write them down and be really honest. Then look at your weekly ones, your monthly ones, and your annual ones. Write them down. And then come together as a family And ask the question, what are the things that we or you you do that do something to you? That actually are creating reactions or responses inside of you that are actually drawing you to Jesus or away from Jesus? What are they? So is groping in the darkness for your cell phone at 6 o'clock in the morning so that you can read your social media. What is that doing to you? How is that helping you? Is it drawing you to Jesus or is it drawing you away from Jesus? Is looking at that influencer, and I know I'm emphasizing social media this morning, but you need to understand social media is a massive, massive global issue. If when you look at that image, did it create discontent? Are you coveting? Is it creating lust, panic, worry, anxiety? Even if the image is just Nothing wrong with it. What's it creating inside of you? Is it drawing you to Jesus or is it drawing you away from Jesus? You do this audit, it's incredibly revealing. And then ask yourselves as families, what should we be doing? That's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. What are the routines and the rituals and the rhythms and the habits and the practices, or as some people call them, spiritual disciplines that we need to be bringing into our own lives and into the lives of our family that are going to create new ways of thinking, new habits, and get us alongside with the way that Jesus wants us to live. Dallas Willard said this, and I quote, Nothing less than life in the steps of Christ is adequate for the human soul all the needs of our world. Let me say it again. Nothing less than life in the steps of Christ is adequate for the human soul. It means that there's nothing on this planet that is going to satisfy your soul because your soul can only be satisfied with the beauty, the, the beauty of the divine in Jesus. Or the needs of our world. The only chance our city, our nation have is not just to give them instructions on who to vote for and to stop this and do that and... Don't be this way and be more that way. The only chance that our nation and our world has is for you and me to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ and actually see transformation and change in our cities. It's that important. And that's why I believe this series is so vital. So commit yourself to coming each week. Come online each week. As I said, if you want to book in and register, please do so at midday, actually uh, nine minutes ago. You could register, and uh, and it's going to be probably a first come, first serve in terms of overflow and everything else, which again, thank you for everybody in the overflow for being lovely and patient with us today. Um, but commit yourself to this series, and and look back at the message last week if you missed it. There's a series of reading lists that I highly recommend that you can use to uh, to learn alongside us as we go through. So I'm going to ask and pray Uh, For Jesus to bless this, for the Holy Spirit to cement it in our brains. And maybe even now there's some things that he's convicting you about that you want to bring to him and ask forgiveness for. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that your word says that in you and belief in you We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. That, Lord, that you have given us the ability, as Christians, to live like you live. That although, Lord, we won't be perfect like you, that, Lord, you have promised that we can have heaven on earth. That, Lord, that we can be bold, that we can show love and joy and peace and all those other beautiful fruits of the Spirit, that that can be reality for us. But Lord, we confess that we get stuck. So Lord, I pray that for everybody in my hearing and in this room today, that God, that you would reveal the areas of our lives where we are, we have habits that are just not helpful. And Lord, I pray that we would bring them to you and that you would speak to us and show us how we can have change happen And Lord, my prayer as pastor of of this community, that Lord, that we would truly be a group of people that are transformed into your image. That first steps would be happening over the next few weeks, Lord, as we study this together. And Lord, I pray that our families, our children, our neighborhoods, our community, city, and even our nation, Lord, would be changed because of the way that your people are changing into the likeness of you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill us now. Lord, I pray a blessing on every family represented here, every person who has come. Lord, thank you for who you are and your promises. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made on the cross for each one of us, taking my punishment that I truly deserve in order to give me life and forgiveness that I don't. Thank you so much, Jesus. We love you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you if you're watching online. And again, please register for next week if you'd like to join us in person. And uh,
4: we'll see you.